Well, we're going to continue this morning with the theme of becoming more like Jesus. And this morning's uh, attribute is kindness. Being raised in the South, uh, I have to be aware that people in the audience may not understand Southern. So I'll use my radio voice a little bit, but maybe I'll revert back to uh, the Southern vernacular. Um, if you've taken a look around the building today, you have seen that the age of miracles is not over. We have new windows. Uh, everything was finished up, I think, Friday. Uh, and to my knowledge, there were no issues. So I think everything works pretty good. Here is a professor out of Calhoun, <clears throat> by the name of Dr. Randy Cross, and he teaches uh, history. He's fluent in uh, several languages, among them are Portuguese. And in Brazil, uh, Portuguese is the native tongue. It's the only uh, country in the Southern Hemisphere that's, that speaks Portuguese. And after, right after the <clears throat> War of Northern Aggression, um, there are several families that moved to Brazil. Uh, some of them moved to set up cotton plantations at the bidding of the Brazilian government. Others moved just to start a new life. Well, Dr. Cross had always wondered how Southerners spoke during the time of the Civil War. And he's been to uh, Brazil se several times. He, he has taught at American University, so he's very familiar with the country. And there's a certain community, there's more than one, but there's a certain community where these southern folks, right after the Civil War, uh, formed a, a community. And so we thought, well, if I'm really ever going to find out what people spoke like during and before the Civil War, especially in the South, then I'm going to go visit this community. So he goes down to Brazil. Uh, he has a, uh, there, there's a, Community that he that he that he goes to, some some native Brazilians give him directions to the community, and he asks one of them uh, if there's anybody in particular that he can speak with, and uh, this lady's name, believe it or not, was Smith, and uh, got directions out to the house, and the house looked just like a not a plantation house, but a but a common southern house in the in the 1800s with a wraparound porch. <clears throat> screen door, 
wooden porch. So as wordy as Mr. Cross is, his his accent is quite thick with a southern accent. So he walked up on the porch and <clears throat> the front door was open, but the screen was closed. And he knocked on the door and nobody came to the door. And so he knocked again rather loudly and still no one came to the door, but he could hear someone inside. So he spoke to the screen and said, Miss Smith, Miss Smith, my name's Randy Cross. I've come from Decatur, Alabama to talk to you. Would you come let me in? So she walked to the front door, opened the screen and said, child, come on in. Well, he did. And he told her why he was there. He said, I, I, I want to learn how the language was spoken at this time well over 100 years ago. He said, so I'm going to point out some objects in the house, if you don't mind walking through with me, and if you will, pronounce those for me. So the first item was a chair. Uh, she pronounced it chair. They walked into the kitchen, he pointed to the stove and said, well, what is that? She said, that's a frying pan. Okay. So he came away with the knowledge that that, that language or the characteristics of that, that language, the dialect that was spoken in the South 100, 150 years ago, was still spoken today in that community because they had had no influences uh, to, to, to change that. Um, so he uh, he really got a kick out of that and uh, he shared that with several of us and it, it was it was pretty interesting. There were other objects and I can't remember what they were but the frying pan, that's frying pan, uh, what, what was the one that was most interesting to me. There will be uh, probably three or four of you in here who can identify with this. And again, the subject matter is kindness. <clears throat> uh, imagine yourself 500 plus miles from home. You're 18, 19 years old. You arrive in a particular area where all the buildings look the same. You're in the back of a two and a half ton truck or what some people call a cattle car. It, the place looks almost like a concentration camp. You're issued a uniform, all your civilian clothes are sent back home. And from that moment on, you're screamed at day and night. You're called every name in the book and some names that aren't in the book. And there are guys running around with smoking bear hats and they're not quite as friendly as smoking bear. And for days upon days, you are, you are subjected to physical exercise, running, again, being screamed at. Every answer to every question that a drill sergeant might ask you, your answer is wrong. No matter what it is, it's wrong. And you begin to want your mom. Uh, 
You know, it's just not a lot of fun. And the reason I bring this up is, is I had a little experience in that. And probably for the first four weeks of basic training, we didn't leave our company area. And after four weeks, we were allowed to go over to the PX, purchase like toiletry. Uh, went into the PX, was checking out, and the lady checking me out said, thank you. first time in a month that I heard, heard anything of a kind nature spoken to me. And it was another month before I had any kind words spoken after that. But, but kindness can go a long, long way. You can make someone's day much more bearable by being kind. Um, Merriam-Webster Dictionary uh, defines kindness as a type of behavior marked by acts of generosity, consideration, or concern for others without expecting praise or reward. A Bible dictionary uh, is similar. Kindness is selfless, compassionate, and merciful. Its greatest power revealed in practice to our enemies and amongst the least of these. Love your neighbor, show kindness to everyone. For a perfect emblem of biblical kindness, we need to look no further than Jesus. God is so kind that it is impossible to imagine his unbounded kindness. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago, Ed was giving a communion talk, and he, he, he referenced something that he had seen on uh, CNN. And we kind of joked that it was the gospel according to CNN. Well, when I was studying the, the subject matter today, um, I found an interesting site, and it was from Country Living. Well, this will be the gospel according to Country Living. Um, but several, several re biblical references to kindness. There were 20 of them, and we're not going to go through all those. We'll pick about four or five, and we're going to go through real quickly. But even as far back as the day of, of Aristotle, who lived 350 years before Jesus. So Aristotle was not influenced at all by Jesus, and was probably not influenced at all by Jehovah God. He lived in, in, in Greece. Uh, he was surrounded by, by pagan idols. But he made, he made the observation that kindness as helpfulness toward someone in need, not in return for anything, nor for the advantage of the helper himself, but for that of the person helped. It's interesting that his definition parallels many of the, 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 the biblical references to, to kindness. So the first one uh, I'd like to bring up is uh, Galatians 5, which is where we've been uh, going to for the last few weeks. 
But through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. I really don't see how it's possible to exercise genuine kindness in the way that we describe it here without love. If you don't have even some small amount of love in your heart, I would think it would be very difficult to be kind. And even if the kindness were strictly a reaction to something, I think it would still be undergirded with love. Uh, the next, the next scripture is from uh, hopefully First Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, chapter thirteen, <clears throat> verse four. And this is this is what's known as the, the love chapter. You've heard it quoted over and over, but this is one verse. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant, not proud. Again, love is kind. The next one is from Colossians chapter 30, verses 12 and 13. For all is God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Last uh, Sunday afternoon in our life group, we were talking about revisiting. Patience, which is Michael had spoken of last Sunday. And, and, and we were kind of talking about what, is that, what does that really mean? What, what is patience? And, and I think it's Ed that said it's, it's basically, I don't know if you said tolerating other people or being tolerant, but in any event, either one works. And, and it, is, it is being long suffering. Um, and again, that would be an attribute driven by love, and you would also find kindness within the act of patience. Another one is First uh, Peter three, eight and nine. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart humble mind. Do not pay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless for this you were called that you may obtain blessing. And here the writer gives us the clue that these attributes that 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 are are driven by love, which is driven by God, that not only through them we can bless others, but we ourselves will receive blessings. Now the next one is First Peter. 
57. And this kind of picks up in mid-sentence, but <clears throat> Peter observes to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Once again, tying everything back to love. <clears throat> Several years ago, I was Visiting with my in-laws at their home church, Baptist Church, and they had a they had a preacher visiting preacher there. This kind of subject matter was 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 uh, being being talked about. It had mostly to do with the relationship between a husband and wife, and how they should be kind to each other and considerate and, and, and all this good stuff. And, and his his observation was uh, to the ladies. Uh, in the morning, tell him he looks good. Lie to him if you have to. Lord forbid. But there's a lot of truth in that. I don't know that I would go around lying so the Lord could add a little more grace, but uh, it would happen for sure. <clears throat> Here's some things that do not represent kindness. Callousness, coldness, disinterest, indifference, unconcern, cruelty, harshness, animosity, antipathy, dislike, hatred, Hostility. I would assume that all of us have experienced <clears throat> at least one of these antonyms in our lives. We've we've had relationships with people uh, where the relationship was not good. It was hostile even to the point of downright hatred. Uh, the, 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 this, the indifference and the disinterest, unconcern, those, those three kind of go together. It's like, you know, you are really nothing to me. Um, and when you encounter those things, it, it, it can be quite deflating. <clears throat> but nonetheless, it should not change our attitude toward kindness. Simple acts of kindness, like uh, how many of you husbands opened the car door for your lovely wife this morning? I know what I'll do. Like <laughs> um, you know, greeted each other with, with a kind word. Holding the door for something. Letting someone turn left in front of you. Uh, by the way, I was going to drive out to Lotus Road and check out 
the uh, merge lane just to see if there was a yield yield sign there or not. Once we do that, I didn't get a chance to. If there's a yield sign there, everybody will tell the preacher about it. There are a couple of school zones here, one over at Oak Park, where there's a sign that says, exercise courtesy, alternate turning. And so that's that's kindness. You're being told to be kind, but nonetheless, it's kindness. Um, <clears throat> but when we when we think of ourselves as being children of God, <clears throat> being creatures that were formed out of love, we're here to demonstrate love. Um, we all lose it from time to time. Uh, it, it's going to happen. If that were not the case, the word forgiveness would never appear in the Bible. Thank God it does. But if we concentrate on seeing everything through the lens of love, I think we'll have no problem. Uh, and kindness is contagious. Smile, uh, a nod, a kind word goes a long, long way. You never know what kind of day somebody's going to be having. You have no idea. And yet, some some word, some little thing that you do could make an entire difference in that person's not only their day, their life, and maybe even to the point to where they see Jesus in us. One of the uh, Passages that I really like. Uh, this is, I think, this came out of the King James, <clears throat> Psalm one sixteen, twelve and thirteen. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, what what can we give back to God? Or what he's done for us. There's very little we can do other than offer ourselves as um, we are called to be living sacrifices. In Psalm, we're, we're told that we can render back to God accepting his cup of salvation. Again, driven by love. The New Testament tells us that <clears throat> there's no greater love than someone laying down their life for another. And all throughout history, this, this has happened numerous times. Uh, and again, even if it's only in a quick moment, push someone out of the way of a speeding car or to catch someone who's falling down a flight of stairs or whatever it may be. 
that love bleeds through and allows us to address the issue with, with an act of kindness. I think about Jesus when he was brought before the Jewish rulers. He was being accused of being a heretic. <clears throat> he was being spat upon, humiliated, blindfolded, and somebody would strike him. Another one would say, you know, you're the son of God. Tell us which one of us, which one of us struck you. And then he goes before Pilate, and good old Pilate says, uh, hey, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. Let's just flog him and let him go. Well, I don't think I'm going to be flogged for I hadn't even done anything wrong. But in those days, those whips that they used at the end of each piece of leather was, in some cases, a piece of bone, more like a hook. And when it hit flesh and was drawn back, it ripped it open. So he, under, he underwent that. Still, the bloodthirsty crowd wasn't satisfied. They wanted him nailed to a cross. And here's a guy for three years traveling around, primarily in his own country, dealing with his own people. His father, his heavenly father, was the same as everyone else's heavenly father. And he was doing the will of his father. John says that, that if, if all the works of Jesus were recorded, they could not fill all the, work, all the pages in every book. That could ever be written. That's a lot of stuff. We only have, we only have just an inkling of what he did: healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and yet, and yet, not doing one single thing that was worthy of even criticism was put to death. But you know, it was unavoidable. Um, God planned it from the beginning. <clears throat> it's, we don't really understand, I don't anyway, the, the, the nature of God. Uh, we're told about the nature of God in that from the sacrificial world, uh, his anger could be assuaged by the spilling of blood. Thus came the blood sacrifice. And to use maybe a crude phrase, but it cooled God off for a while until the next time they had to do it. And then the, 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 the ultimate sacrifice, his only son, a part of himself, uh, sent here to reconcile the world to God. Through, we 
could not be ever reconciled to God with Christ. Christ had to come. So I would, I would propose to you that the ultimate exhibit of kindness was God sending his son. He abandoned Jesus on the cross. Sent the world on his shoulders. Um, he was going to experience a cruel, cruel death. But, but Jesus tells us, he said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to bring it back up again. And he did. And then, upon that resurrection, and the ascension, when he tells his apostles to go into the world, teach all nations about him, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, saying, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. But he's still with us. And God, you know, the reason the fire and brimstone haven't come down yet is because of the last week's topic. God is still patient. There are still people out there that are unsaved that will be saved. Only because God hasn't flipped the switch yet. Then I'm so thankful. So, as we wind up this morning as an act of kindness early, um, kind of let your day just, just for today be, be driven by recognizing opportunities for exercise of kindness um, and before you do Marry it up to, to love, to concern, to genuine care. That hey, this this act that I'm going to do is going to have a positive impact on the person that I do it for. And I think, do we we receive a beautiful blessing? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus, the sacrifice that he made. Thank you for your everlasting kindness toward us that while we were yet sinners, you sent his son, your son, through him we might have eternal life. We owe all of that to you. It, it, we owe you that as our honorable service to you. We ask that you bless us today. Thank you for the beautiful day you give us. Thank you for exhibiting yourself in the beauty of nature. We ask that you go with us, keep us safe. And in our hearts, 
Terima. 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 Terima.